Andy said I had a hard message, but that's not necessarily true. I don't really like hard messages. I don't like people getting. I don't like to come and get fussed at. But uh, well, that was really tough. Uh, the situation with Drew, and I shared earlier. You know, Drew was one of these kids who uh, was always a good kid. Ever since I've known him, he's always loved the Lord, always followed the Lord, and you know, it's great. John and Sue, of course, great people, like backbones in this church, and you know. When something like that happens to a kid, I mean, I, I shared how when I was before, when I was a young person, I was a bad sinner. You know, <laughs> I could understand something like that happening to a person like me. But when it happens to a kid like that, it just really, it's just, you know, it's a struggle. But, you know, it's one of those situations when bad things happen to good people. Um, but we believe the Lord's going to have glory in this. And we believe Drew to be totally restored. That's, that's what we're standing on. And so, you know... When one suffers, all suffer. And that's really, and nobody wants to suffer, but it, these, these kind of things really bring suffering into your life. And, but we're going to really see the Lord get glory also. So just stand, stand like, and I really feel like the Lord brought you, brought you guys today to encourage. I appreciate that testimony. You know, and we'll make sure they uh, hear about that because that really will greatly encourage the Crowley family. Amen. Well, uh, I wanted to start this morning in Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Um, and as, as you know, that word go literally is as you go. So we've been really... I feel like the Lord's really been focusing on uh, all of us being preachers of the gospel. And, you know, as we go, God has commanded us to, to preach the gospel. And I, I really feel in my heart that the Lord, you know, Paul the Apostle said this about himself in Romans 1. He said that he was called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. That was his life was separated into that. And I, I feel, personally speaking, I... This is something that we as Christians tend to take for, take for granted, is the gospel. Uh, we tend to take for granted our salvation. We tend to take for granted this whole thing called the gospel ministry. But I feel God is stirring that today. He's stirring the, a passion for the gospel. He's stirring, you know, uh, that we would be committed to the gospel. That that's really the, the great thing in the Bible. And... Um, it is the one thing, it is the one most important thing there is for all of us because if we, if we miss it, if we miss it on the gospel, we've eternally missed it. So it's a matter of life and death. It is the one thing in our lives that is a matter of life and death. It's one thing that we cannot afford to be wrong on. We can be, we can be wrong about lots of things. We really can. I'm talking about lots of things that are in the Bible. We can be wrong, you know, about the gifts of the Spirit. But we cannot be wrong about the gospel. We just, it is, it is a, something we cannot, cannot miss on. And if God has called us to preach the gospel, then we need to make sure we're preaching the gospel of the Bible. Okay, that's really the, the gospel we've been called to preach. There's only one true gospel, yet there are many counterfeits. And I believe today in, in, in the church in America that there is a counterfeit gospel, many versions of a counterfeit gospel. 
And it is, is imperative, if, if God's called you and I to preach the gospel, that we preach the right gospel. And that's really what I want to do, is I want to share a little bit with you this morning of what the Bible says. Uh, the gospel, how, how do you bring a person into saving relationship with Christ? That's really what I'm talking about, saving relationship. Okay, I'm not talking about, you know, because there's a lot that we could talk about, but how does a person come to know Christ as his personal Savior? And what I want to do is help you hear this, and, and in your language, when you, as you go and you, as you preach to other people, as you share the gospel, that you're sharing the truth with them. Uh, let me give you a couple of scriptures that really are clear. John 1, 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. As many have received. So it talks about receiving him. Uh, to those who believe in his name. It's believing in his name. Receiving him and believing in his name. That's, that's one of the scriptures. Uh, John, uh, Acts 16, 31 uh, says... Uh, so they said, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So believing on, receiving, uh, believing in the power of His name, these are biblical terms. There's other terms that are used which are not necessarily wrong terms. If They're not wrong if they are in line with the Scripture. Like uh, the Bible, nowhere, you know, we use the term accept Christ, but that's not really a biblical term. It's not really in the Bible anywhere where it says accept Christ. It's not really in the Bible anywhere where it says invite Jesus into your heart. Uh, yet those can be legitimate terms if the meaning behind them is correct. I mean, I'm not trying to wordsmith, okay, and get exactly the exact right words, but if the meaning behind those terms are the true gospel, then they're, they're adequate terms. And so um, what I want to do is I want to read a... Um, an altar call to you, an altar call that was given after a message, a gospel message, and I want to read this altar call to you, and I want you to listen closely to it, okay? And I'm going to just go ahead and tell you right up front, this altar call is incorrect. Although it has a lot of truth in it, it is not the gospel of the Bible, and it is, a, it is something that we are hearing today. Uh, so I want, just want you to hear this because it's so subtle and so deceptive. Um, it says, Today is like no other. You are here tonight by divine appointment. Some of you are here tonight are looking for peace inside. Some of you are looking for a way out of your drug and alcohol addictions. Some of you are silently suffering in a failing marriage. And some of you feel an emptiness inside your soul and just need to know for sure that you are loved. My friend, you are. I love you and God loves you. And He has a wonderful plan for your life. He did not create you to be in pain and suffering. He simply wants a personal relationship with you because He knows that that's what you need to be truly happy. Now, basically, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Uh, but something keeps you from having this relationship with God, and it is called sin. Let's face it, we've all made honest mistakes. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but God doesn't expect you to be perfect. That's why He sent His perfect Son, so that you could have a relationship with Him again. If you will just admit your honest mistakes. So right there, it, it goes into heresy, because it calls sin honest mistakes. And sin is not an honest mistake. Okay? 
if you would just admit your honest mistakes to God and say yes to Jesus as your Savior, He will come into your heart and you will become a child of God. You will never be alone again because you'll have Jesus, the ultimate friend riding shotgun, guiding you through life. That is eternal life, the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Would you like to have that life, that peace, that joy, that friend? If you want to know Jesus and find what you've been looking for, then invite Jesus into your heart. He's been waiting for you. He's been waiting for this very moment. Come now and simply accept Him. Now, this is not the gospel message of the Bible because this is a, a, a gospel of passive acceptance. This message paints a picture of a Christ who is basically on trial and that at your convenience... You can make a decision if you judge him worthy of you accepting him. Now, that's what this, this communicates. And really what it does, it leaves the sinner in his sins. And the reason it leaves the sinner in his sins is because it does not align itself with what the Bible says the gospel is. Okay? It does not align itself with what the Bible says. It gently suggests that if you open your heart to Jesus... If your current lifestyle isn't working for you, try God when the time is right for you. That is absolutely opposite of what the Bible teaches. Try God when the time is right for you. If your lifestyle isn't working, give Jesus a try. Maybe that maybe it'll make your life better. That is not what the Bible teaches. So, what I want to do is read to you um, some scriptures about what the Bible really teaches. The gospel is and. Maybe that's where Andy said seems sort of harsh. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be harsh, trust me. Um, and, you know, before I read it, you know, actually, I haven't I got so many comments on my message ever in my whole life. I got ten scriptures given to me that were wonderful scriptures to add to what I said. and uh, But I can't really give all those scriptures, and I'm not smart enough to remember them all <laughs> at this moment. I'll just stick with what I got here, but... Uh, Mark 8, verse 34 through 35. This is what Jesus said. He said, When he had called the people to himself... Now, I want you to understand, he was talking to, a, to, to the general public right there when he said when he called the people to himself. He wasn't just talking to his disciples, yet he was talking to his disciples also. Because it says that, with his disciples also. He said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Now, so let's just get a clear understanding here. Jesus was not talking about a bunch of Christians being more serious believers. Okay, let's be more serious disciples now. He was not talking to those. He was talking to people who needed Christ as a Savior. Okay, and he was telling them how to come in to a saving relationship with him. This is, okay, so, so that's what we're talking about, how to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. So when you share the gospel, you can make sure you uh, share this, this type of message uh, with people. Uh, because it's a matter of life and death. We don't want to have false converts. We don't want to have people who make a mental conversion. Okay? Whoever desire, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Okay? Now, that's what it says. Whoever desires this, whoever, whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save his life. 
Okay? We're talking about your soul. We're talking about salvation here. So we find that the Lord is urging people. He is inviting people, but Jesus is not begging anybody. Okay? So we need to understand one thing about the gospel. If we accept the gospel, okay, if we, we accept His invitation, we're going to gain from it eternally. Okay? For, from, from that moment on, and this is the real truth, God gains nothing. Okay? God gains nothing because God already owns everything. God owns everything. It's all His. So we're either, and if we don't accept Christ, if we don't come into the same relationship, He's not going to lose anything. We're going to lose. Okay? Because He already owns everything. He's not going to lose anything. So he, what I'm trying to say to you, He's not on trial today when it comes to salvation. The Lord Jesus is not on trial. You and I are on trial. Our souls is the one in the way, being weighed in the balance. His, he, he is not. And that's the type of gospel that, that what I just read to you, it has put the Lord on trial. It's, if He's good enough in, at our convenience. And let me just say this. What, the gospel is not convenient. Okay? A 33-year-old man, full of health, full of vigor, full of life, who had never done nothing but wonderful things, was murdered by the cross. So the cross is inconvenient and the cross is terrible. And, and we need to see that. So we can't preach a cross, we can't preach a gospel that doesn't inconvenient people, make you inconvenient alive, that, that, that tests you, that stretches you. That, that, you see what I'm saying to you? Let's don't have that kind of gospel because that gospel will not save a person. That gospel will leave that person damned. And that's what we don't want. So the first thing the Lord says is you've got to, to deny yourself. Okay, He's put a condition on salvation. You have to deny yourself, okay? And um, that is that goes against the, the you know like the law of human nature. The first law of human nature is is to survive, right? Not to deny yourself. You're, the first law is is to take care of yourself. But but the gospel says no. You're going to have to break that first law. You've got to totally deny yourself. And let me give you my uh, definition of denying yourself. It means there must be a revolutionary, and I want to really emphasize that word, revolutionary transformation in your life. You must have reversed the way of, way of your life. Your life must be reversed. To continue to live in sin as a lifestyle, okay, to continue to live in sin as a lifestyle, and to claim to have received and believed on Christ is not true salvation of the Bible. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? To continue to live in sin... Okay, as a lifestyle, and to claim to have received Christ as your Savior, to believe on Christ—that is not the gospel. I wanted to give you this little story I made up about the prodigal son. <laughs> give you a picture. Y'all know about the prodigal son. Many of you know that there's a story in the Bible called the parable of the prodigal son. It's in Luke 15. Story of a, a young man who lived in a wealthy home, and he grew up. And he came to a place in his life where he came, went to his father one day and said, Father, I want my inheritance. Uh, you know, he didn't wait for his father to die. And the father agreed to go ahead and give him the young man his inheritance. So the young man left home, went out into the world, and began to live a life of sin, of wine, women, and song, drugs, uh, you know, whatever they did back in, back in the day. And, and the young man uh, spent all his money, finally was broke, Good Jewish boy wound up having to go to work for a pig farm 
outfit. Wound up having to care for pigs, which was the worst thing a Jewish boy could ever do. And now I'm departing from the Scripture a little bit. Imagine this young man. He was in the pig pen one day in the middle of the hot, sunny day with pig slop all around him, wondering what in the world I've done with my life in a, a very ambitious, recent uh, Christ School of Ministry <laughs> graduate comes by and says, uh, Hey, baby, I got good news for you. And, hey, I need some good news, man. I ain't got nothing but bad news all around me. It stinks in here. Um, the Father's ready to forgive you. Wow, that is good news. Well, do you believe He's ready to forgive you? I do believe He's ready to forgive me. Well, let's pray about it then. So they pray. The young man prays and confesses, The Father has forgiven me. And the man pats him on the back, rejoices with him, and moves on. Well, the young man is just ecstatic about this forgiveness he's received and goes around to the other pig farmers in the neighborhood and starts telling the other pig farmers, Look, I've got great news. I just found out the Father is willing to forgive you. Would you like to receive this forgiveness? And they all like, Yeah, we need to be forgiven because there was all a bunch of Jewish boys in the pig pen. And they, they felt they needed to be forgiven. So they were forgiven. And they were an ambitious lot. So they decided, Well, you know what we need to do? We need to start a church. Get everybody else in on this forgiveness thing. So they start this church. It's called the First Church of the Pig Farmers. They got a grand church. It's glorious. They come to church every, every church every Sunday. They come in there with their stinky old sloppy clothes on, their nasty smell, and they notice right away nobody's wanting to join their church. And they sort of judge everybody around. Well, they're just a bunch of old hypocrites and religious people. They don't want to come in here. Well, they didn't really realize nobody wanted to get get around the smell of them because they stunk. And uh, one day, uh, a, a little bit more advanced student of Christ School of Ministry came by and thought, man, somebody led these boys astray. I need to talk to them. So he, he comes into their church and says, I'd like to speak in your service. Said, sure, come on. We, the, the, it was a Christ School of Ministry a graduate that helped us get here. <laughs> and so this Christ School of Ministry, this is our school if you don't know, stands up and says, you sinners, you need to come out from them pig pens. Why, you're a legalist. You're a legalist. There's no grace in what you're saying. We're okay. They throw the man out. Well, you know, the father grows old, the fatty calf, calf dies, young man dies, pig farmer. And see, that's sort of the gospel that's preached today. There's a gospel that's preached that says that we can accept Christ, we can believe on the Lord Jesus, but we can continue in our sin. And that is not the gospel of the Bible. In fact, this is one of the things that... In fact, this is what uh, Paul uh, or Luke says in Acts 13.10. He calls that a perversion of the gospel. He calls it a perversion. It's living a lifestyle of sin and declaring yourself to be under grace. That is a perversion of the gospel. Living a lifestyle of sin and declaring yourself to be under, under grace. This is what Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.19. Everyone who confesses the, the name of the Lord must, must, he didn't give an option, must turn away from wickedness. Must. There's no option on it. Uh, put up Revelations 2.15. I wanted to give you this one. This is, this is profound here. I've heard a lot of teachings over the years about the Nicolaitans of, of Revelations, of what the Nicolaitans were. But if you go back and study who Nicholas was, the guy who started this, this, this cult... Uh, Nicholas was actually one of the uh, 
deacons out of the book of Acts. Same crowd of Stephen. He, Nicholas was a, was a Gentile convert to Judaism who got saved, went from being a, you know, a pagan to, a Jude, uh, to, to practicing a, a Jewish religion to coming into Christianity, getting saved and receiving Christ and actually being uh, appointed a, a deacon in the, in the early church. Well, according to church history, uh, Nicholas went astray from the Lord and, and, and taught a doctrine of compromise. And his doctrine was this, that you can sin, willfully sin, willfully live a lifestyle of sin and, and, and still be a Christian. And, and that's what the Nicolaitan doctrine was. It was living a lifestyle, it was living a lifestyle of compromise where you felt you could go out and, con- and continue living in sin and still be a Christian. And Jesus said this, I hate that doctrine. And the reason Jesus hated that doctrine because it dooms people to hell. That's why he hates it. It dooms people to hell. So anytime you hear people say, I heard a, a person who backslid said to me, well, isn't God's grace sufficient? Of course God's grace is always sufficient, okay? As long as you're in grace, you know? as long as you're in grace. So we do not come into a saving relationship with Christ by simply believing the doctrine of salvation. In the Bible, when the Bible talks about believing, there's action attached to it. That's why Jesus said this. He said, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. It was not simply believing something with your mind and your life does not align with it. There must be a turning in your life. There must be a turning away from a lifestyle of sin. Otherwise, you have to question if it's a legitimate salvation. All right, the second thing, put the mark back up there, Brian. Now, I might be stepping on some people's toes this morning, but trust me, I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? And so I want to try to keep this from getting, you know, me versus you or my doctrine. It's not mine. I'm just, I'm just reporting to you this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm a reporter. I'm trying to report the truth to you. All right. When he had called, he said, you've got to deny yourself and take up his cross and follow me. This is what he said. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, many people wonder, you know, there's been a lot of things about what that cross is, okay? And some people think it's difficult. He's like, oh, well, John and Sue have a great cross to bear this morning uh, because of the situation with Drew. But that is not what the Bible is calling a cross. Number one is that that is not something they voluntarily chose. See, this cross is something you get to choose. It's something you get to take up. You have to make a choice. It's not something imposed upon you because guess what? People in the world suffer hardship. Okay? Everybody goes through difficult times. In this world, we will have trouble. So that's not the cross he's talking about. Jesus is talking about... The cross he's talking about here is this. It is total dedication of your life to Christ. It is total dedication of your life to Christ, where you give your life up to Him, just as He gave His life up on His cross for us. It demanded everything He had. He gave His whole life up. That was His cross. And he's asking us to do something. You give your whole life to me, 100%. You see, here's what religion does. Religion says, yes, sinner, you must turn from sin, but it does not give you anything to turn to. And that's why people either... That's why I think, personally speaking, it leads to that Nicolaitan thing. That's why you have a lot of Christians out there that are living in sin, claiming to be Christians. You can't live in sin and be a Christian. 
Okay, you can't do it. I'm telling you, you can't. That's not what the Bible teaches. Not as a lifestyle. Doesn't mean you won't stumble, but as a lifestyle, if your life is not changing, then you have to question your salvation. Did you have a real salvation? That's what Andy was saying. It sounded harsh. And it does sound harsh. But this is, this is what the Bible says. You've got to give your whole life to Jesus. You've got to totally dedicate your life to Him. So you begin, you begin by turning from sin. But you make the next step. You begin by repenting of sin, but you turn away from sin and you embrace something. You embrace His life. You give, your, you give control of your life to Him where He's the Lord of your life, where He has complete control of you, and, you and, and He dictates to you what your life will be. That's what the gospel of salvation is. Um, this is what Jesus said to uh, John, or no, to uh, Nicodemus. He said, and this is John 3, 3, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God implies lordship. It implies kingship. Okay? You hear what I'm saying to you? Uh, and this gospel, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the king, the gospel of the lordship of Christ over your life will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then shall the end will come. So the born-again person does not only turn away from sin as a lifestyle, he turns, to, he turns his life over to Christ to be his lord. That's why we have this saying, Lord and Savior. So really, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is, you know, in a brief little bit of time, this, in a compact way, this is the message, number one, that will judge you when you stand before the Lord. This is the message that will judge you. Okay? And number two, this is the message that we have to be preaching to people. We can't preach this other deluded, passive acceptance of Christ. That is not the message we need to be preaching people. We need to preach the truth to them because it is a matter of life and death. Are y'all with me this morning? I know I got a little bunch of stone cold looking people. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that, but that's okay. And that's really that's really all I wanted to, to share. I mean, there's a lot more I could share. I was given lots of great scriptures by people that, uh, you know, would sort of from this, but what I wanted to do is, uh, before we have the kids, they were going to come back in, right? Before we have them come back in, is first of all, I want to say to you this morning, uh, the Bible gives us a story about uh, wheats and tares, okay? We were talking about that this week out of Matthew 13, how there are tares sowed amongst uh, the true believers, okay? And how... Uh, and I'm thinking, man, I don't want to be a tear, Lord. <laughs> you know, nobody, I want to be a wheat. I want to be the real thing. You know what? Why would you, why would you want a Christianity where you really didn't give it all to the Lord? Why would you want that? Really? That's why when I, when I got saved, I've been saved for 30 years. When I received Christ, I, made, I thought about it for a long time because I was a big sinner. I live a real sinful lifestyle, real reckless lifestyle. And I thought about it because I knew if I was going to be a Christian, I had to walk away from all of that and walk away from it forever. And I, and I sort of liked some of the stuff I was involved in and didn't want to walk away from it. 
somehow in my heart, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit wooing and drawing me, he was telling me, Byron, to really be saved, you'll never be able to live that lifestyle again. You'll never be able to go back to it. And, and, and somehow I knew I had to totally you know, learn how to obey him, learn how to give my life to him. And that's really, you know, I want to ask you, when you received Christ, when you believed on the Lord Jesus, was that what you did? Have you forsaken the life? Are you one of those people? Are you still living in the world? Are you still partaking the things of the world? Are you still living a sinful lifestyle? I'm asking you this morning, if that's you, I'm asking you, does your experience line up with what the Bible teaches salvation? Heaven and hell. Heaven or hell. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I think that's what we've got to preach to people. When we preach this message to them, we've got to let them know the truth. This is what the gospel means. It means you've got to forsake your lifestyle. You've got to forsake your sins. You've got to live differently. You've got to be a revolutionary kind of person. And you've got to give Him your life. You've got to give Him control of your life. And He'll teach you. He'll walk it out with you. He'll help you. He's, you have the Holy Spirit and all those things. But, so I wanted to ask you this morning, first of all, if you're a person this morning and you're questioning because honestly, when I hear stuff like that, I question, what am, I, am I right with you, Lord? Am I right with you? I want to be right with you. You know, and He has given us the Holy Spirit to witness to our heart to say, yeah, you're a child of God. You're right. You're, you know, and that's really all you need. And that's what the Bible really says, because only He can tell you if you're right. You know, it's really not given unto man to tell you if you're right or wrong. It's, it's, it is the Holy Spirit. So, number one, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't witness to you, that you're right with Him, it's life or death. You need to be right with Him and get right with Him. Okay? That's, that's number one. And number two, let's, let's preach that message to people. Let's tell people the truth. Let's don't give them a, another version of the gospel. Let's tell them the truth. You know, God will show you how to give that message. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the discretion. He'll, he'll show you how to speak it that will you know, bring about fruit. Okay? But let's be committed to the real gospel. Amen? So we want to just take a moment and just pray. Uh, let me just take a moment and pray. We're going to get the kids you know, to come back in here. Father, I just want to ask you, first of all, if there's any person in this room that's had a mental conversion, Lord, that has accepted you mentally this morning and you're speaking to their heart that you're really going after them, Lord, I pray right now for them and ask you, Lord, to bring them into a true salvation experience. We're just asking you that, Lord, today. Is any person in this room, this is your moment. I'm telling you, this is your moment. Heaven or hell, life or death, it's your moment. Don't let it get by you. The Lord's given you this opportunity to come and know Him and, and gain eternally. So, Lord, we just ask you, just search hearts, Lord. Just search hearts in this room this morning. Let all our hearts be searched, Lord. Every one of us in this room, let us be searched, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray for each one of us this morning as you've called us. And Lord, this in some way seems uh, like a real high standard that you've set. And you have set a high standard, but you've, it's your standard, Lord. And we choose to bow ourselves to it, Lord, and give ourselves to it. And we just want to, Lord, we want to commit ourselves, a fresh commitment to the gospel.